Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Hello and welcome back to the True Condos Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Andrew LaFleur. Thanks for listening. On today's show, we're going to be interviewing Naram Mansour. Naram is the president of Carlisle Communities, and he is also a lecturer at Schulich School of Business. He teaches a real estate course there. Um, now, Naram is a very smart um, and interesting guy when it comes to real estate. And we had a great conversation. Uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit longer than usual, but I assure you that it's going to be well worth your time to listen in to hear what Naram has to say. Um, Naram, uh, it was funny, uh, I was talking to Matthew Slutsky recently, and he was saying that Naram is one of the sort of top minds, in his opinion, uh, in the condo market today. And he's a young guy, but he's very sharp, very smart, and I think the future is very bright for him. And Matthew Slutsky, of course, is the president of Buzz Buzz Home. And you can listen to the interview with Matthew Slutsky. I think it was episode two, if you go back and check the podcast records for that. Now, I wanted to talk about a couple of interesting news stories that were in uh, the headlines this week. The first one is, and I'll include links to this in the show notes for this episode. You can head on over to truecondos.com slash Naram, N-A-R-A-M, Naram, truecondos.com slash Naram for the show notes for this episode. And there's a uh, one headline said the S&P 500 erases 2014 gains as 10-year yields fall below 2%. Uh, and now that article obviously is talking about how the stock markets are not doing very well. Uh, if you follow that at all, the stock markets are not doing very well right now. And in fact, they seem to be in free fall. Some people are worrying about some kind of a stock market crash that's, that could be happening. Um, now when I see headlines like this, I just really keep going back to the reason why I invest in real estate in the first place. The reason why I buy condos and the reason why I hold them in long term and rent them out. Uh, the stock market to me is just, it's a gambler's game. I mean, you're, you're just praying and hoping that, uh, things work out well, things are going to go up. You know, it's, it's an insider's game. If you're an insider, uh, if you're at the top, um, you can do well. Everyone else gets gets manipulated by the system, and you're lucky if your mutual funds or whatever make you, you know, three, four, five percent. Who knows if that's even before or after all the fees that your uh, that your manager is taking from you. So, um, when it comes to condos, long term, any kind of real estate investing, really, if you're if you're earning less than ten percent annual returns in the long term with real estate, then you're really doing something wrong. I mean, 10% long term in real estate as an annual return is very easy to achieve. Um, And again, you need to take the long term approach with real estate. Of course, real estate is not a get rich quick scheme. Um, Condo investing is not something you should get into if you think you're going to buy a condo and, and become a millionaire, you know, overnight. That's not how it works. You should never think like that. You should understand that it is a long-term, lifelong, really, um, type of investment. Uh, So that was one article I thought was interesting. I'll include a link to that. The other one was in the CBC. They had an article um, 
and the headline was fears that shoddy condos could become future slums. Hmm. Uh, here's a quick tip. If you see the word condo and slum in the same headline, you know that article is a joke. Um, I, I'm sick and tired of this. I've seen this same headline and this type of thinking and these types of quotes from the so-called experts so many times over the years. People talking about how, you know, certain condo neighborhoods or certain condo buildings are going to become slums in the future or some kind of a ghetto is the other buzzword. Uh, and when I see those buzzwords, I know right away that this article is nothing other than sensationalism. There's no merit to them. And they're just looking to get clicks and links uh, to their articles so that they can get advertiser dollars. I mean, it's just total nonsense. The, the, the thought that somehow a privately owned condo building or series of buildings would somehow become a ghetto or a slum. Um, they, what do they expect? Do they expect uh, for you know hundreds of people who own these condos worth hundreds of thousands of dollars each to suddenly just say, you know what, uh, my windows are leaky uh, or my dishwasher is broken, so I'm just gonna abandon this property and just walk away from it, and some squatters are going to take over, and it's going to become some kind of a slum uh, or something ridiculous like this. I mean, it's total nonsense. Um, sure, condos age. Uh, repairs need to be done. That's what reserve funds are for. That's what your condo fees are for. Uh, these buildings will be maintained. People will always want to live in these buildings. People will always pay rent and money to live in these buildings. And the values will never, ever go to zero. It just makes absolutely no sense for this line of thinking. Uh, okay, so that's enough ranting for me for one day. That just is something that really gets under my skin when I see those kind of headlines. Um, and it just uh, it's just sensationalism. Uh, the other thing that came out this week, I won't touch on it too much, but the uh, Urban Nation released their uh, third quarter rental statistics report. And uh, basically, the summary is rents are up. So good for you if you are a condo investor, if you bought uh, in the past, your rents continue to increase. And that's good news for condo investors. All right, so let's get to the interview with Naram Mansour. And once again, for all the show notes on this episode, head on over to truecondos.com slash Naram. Here we go. Great. It's my pleasure to welcome to the show Naram Mansour. Naram is the president of Carlisle Communities. Naram, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Great. Appreciate your time and appreciate uh, you, you uh, willing to share some of your insights on the market and a little bit about your story with us today. Anytime. Anytime. So why don't you start, Naram, by telling us a little bit about yourself, your story. How did you get into real estate um, and what are you up to right now? Sure. Uh, so, so uh, real estate for me was actually a very kind of organic process, if, if I could put it that way, which is uh, I, I quickly discovered while I was at my undergrad um, that I wanted to get into real estate. At that time, I didn't fully uh, understand what aspect of real estate I'd get into, um, but I was in uh, business school. There's really only one real estate course. It was a real estate finance course. Um, but it was taught at the time uh, by an individual who would eventually become my partner uh, in my business. And, uh, and he was a very successful developer. Uh, and eventually what I did was I, I just kind of 
had him mentor me through the process. And so I, I graduated undergrad, got into development lending. So uh, I actually uh, worked at MCAP Financial in their development lending group for about five years. Um, and then throughout that time, we had a couple of real estate cycles hit. So it's always an interesting time to be at the bottom of the totem pole <laughs> at a real estate lending company. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, you know, be the guy that's kind of on the outside looking in, figuring out what you're going to do. But the one thing that I had always uh, knew uh, was that you, you buy low and sell high in a, in a sense. And so in, in 09, I, I took on my first endeavor, which is I built two custom homes in the rural York and Queensway area. Um, and, and the plan was always, you know, slow and steady, which is a firm belief of mine in real estate. Uh, I wanted to, you know, do two customs and then maybe a few townhomes and then just kind of grow it. Uh, but, you know, we ran into this opportunity um, at the corner of Gerard and Woodbine, uh, a project that had good merit, but poor execution, in my opinion. Um, and so I, I got into a partnership uh, with another group and, and we went on to uh, acquire the site that we eventually launched as Beach Hill Condos. Um, and in, in between that time frame, I actually uh, did my MBA. So I went back, did my MBA in real estate development. And I feel like I've never left the school in, in, with respect because I went back to Schulich. Schulich has a, a, an incredible, uh, the Schulich School of Business has an incredible reputation for the real estate program. Um, they're very proactive in the industry and they're, they're followed. Uh, so, so I went back to my MBA while I was building my customs, then went on to acquire Beach Hill. Um, and, and at the same time was invited back actually to lecture at, at the business school um, in real estate finance. So the, the course that got me into this business was the one that I ended up actually uh, 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 being offered to teach. Uh, and so I, I took that opportunity and I've been doing that now for about three, four years. Um, which has been kind of an incredible experience uh, just to kind of see the way you you mentor and, and, and teach uh, students in this industry and, and they keep you very sharp. Um, and, and then, you know, Beach Hill happened. We, we went through the process and since then we've acquired a townhouse project in Mississauga um, at here, Ontario in the QEW. That's going through its rezoning now. Um, and more recently, our, our first acquisition of a larger land assembly was completed um, on Peter Street, just south of Richmond, Richmond Street West. So, so uh, you know, it, it's kind of been a whirlwind eight, nine years, if you want to call it that. Uh, but but it's, it's been exciting. And, and I, the one thing I always revert back to, and I'll kind of leave it at that in terms of my experience and how I got into the business, was um, a lot of people always have difficulty understanding what they want to do in life. But for me, it was clear at the age of 21 that this was the business I wanted to be in forever. So it's, it's a passion. It's not just a business. It's not just a job. It, it's truly a passion for me to be in this business. And I, I love doing it every day. So, so that's kind of my two cents about why I'm in real estate. That's great. So take us back, if you will, to that moment, like you said, that when you're you know, 21 years of age, you're, you're in that university course. Um, what was it about real estate that attracted you in the first place or or what was describe that light bulb moment where you were like wow this is what i want to do so so for me um and and you know for any business majors out there uh i'm sure they can echo you know truly business majors are typically contemplating three fields they're either accounting finance marketing typically speaking uh i don't want to generalize it but that's kind of the way it works and and for me 
There wasn't anything particularly unique. Finance was a very attractive field at the time. We were pre-09. Uh, People were making a lot of money doing creative and sometimes not smart things, but uh, but people were doing well. Um, you know, accounting in a sense was the conservative job. You're always guaranteed job, and and marketing was the creative, right? Um, uh, but but none of those industries really presented two things that I found very attractive. One was the ability to shape uh, whatever it is you're doing, and and what I mean by that is, you know, few industries are in real estate where I get to shape a city with the opportunities that I choose, and and that is a it's 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 a it's a blessing in a sense that you you're even allowed that opportunity and I take it very seriously when we make our decisions, um, and at the same time it, it is you know at the end of the day a profit driven business and and so um, as a business major you're always you know kind of pushed in that direction to understand how how to maximize profit, but but I what what stood out to me was you know you have this incredible big money industry. Um, and and you get to also shape your city and shape wherever it is you're working on in a way that'll last generations and lifetimes. And so it was so obvious. It was so obvious and so easy for me to realize that unlike these other uh, industries, and, and, and I use them every day, so I got you know n- nothing against them, but I, I wasn't just moving paper. You know, I, I was building bricks and mortar. I was, I was creating housing. I... I you know, I, I, I shaped lives in a sense. And, and how could you ever turn down that kind of opportunity all while being able to do it and make a living out of it? It, it, was, it was very easy for me. So what I find in, in talking to a lot of different people in the industry is so many people who are successful at real estate, um, part of their success, I think, is because they come from a real estate family or they come from a real estate background. Uh, was that your experience as well, or did you sort of just discover real estate in that university course you're describing? Um, I, I had generally liked real estate, but my, my family is not a, a real estate family. Um, both my parents are actually educators. They're, uh, they both have their doctorates, on, uh, similar to most immigrants. Unfortunately, they weren't recognized when they came here. So my father just got a job to be able to feed his family and, and uh, then eventually got into petroleum retail. Um, but but we, were, we weren't a, a, a building family. I, I didn't go to construction sites when I was six, as often you hear those stories. Um, you know, for me, it was, it was just a very exciting business uh, that, that I was always kind of attracted but never had guidance. Uh, and, and once I got the guidance, you know, I, I, I like to think that I... I can remember easily, and and that's one of what is maybe one of my strengths is that I have a great memory for things I'm interested in. And so, so when I took that course, and I would hear stories, and I would read books on, you know, uh, well, Trump might be a bad example, but but you know, the Reichman family and and the rise and fall of Olympia in New York, um, and just generally reading about you know guys uh, like George Perez of the Related Group down in in Miami and. And I always saw real estate as, as an industry that um, there, there, there were barriers in terms of capital. So, uh, you know, you, you always have that barriers in, in terms of potentially development sites and stuff like that. But, but work ethic simply, you know, allowed you to, to do it. And so if you worked hard enough, I, I never got discouraged in real estate. I never thought that just because, you know, there's all these companies doing all this. 
um, I couldn't be take on a part of it. And so for me, it was, um, it was really, or, and, and that's why I come back to saying it was organic. It, it just kind of progressed, uh, you know, with my curiosity more than anything else. And, and that's what it was. Tell us, so tell us about that first deal that you did, at least your first major deal with Beach Hill Residences. You did a couple of um, low-rise homes, as you mentioned. Then you had this opportunity with Beach Hill. Um, you know, what kind of risks did you take on when you did that? What kind of things were people telling you at the time? Were they telling you you're crazy to do something like this? You know, what opportunity did you see there? And, you know, it's still in progress, but how has it worked out for you so far? So uh, as, I, as I mentioned uh, previously, the, the intention was never to, you know, go from two to 64 mid-rise condo. Um, really my, my, my intention was always to go from two to maybe 10 townhomes or, or things of that nature. Um, it was, it was a natural progression for me. Uh, stick frame is what I knew. Uh, and, uh, I had a lot of experience on the lending side, having seen deals, um, uh, when I was at MCAP and, and a quick shout out to those guys cause they do everything, condos, townhouses, you know, low rise, high rise type of thing. And, and so, uh, it was, it was what I thought would be my natural progression. But then what happened was I, I was approached with a site, um, and, and the site kind of had its complexities to it with respect to the fact that. It was a an OMB approved site, and and so what we saw was an opportunity where we were assured our density, um, but but it was really it, it was it was messy. The the property owners had kind of taken it through the rezoning, but they weren't active developers, so they weren't really aware of what the market was looking for. So what you had was a seven story building, twenty nine units, all over a thousand square feet, three levels of underground parking, thirty three spots. So very inefficient design. So what we saw was an opportunity to um, take advantage of a of a overlooked neighborhood. Um, you know, uh, it's it's very obvious how hot you know the beach and and upper beaches and the Danforth are with respect to you know on the Danforth you're on the subway line, in the beach you're you're in one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in the city in our opinion. Um, and so you had this kind of sweet spot where we we thought values per se hadn't. Um, moved in in the direction that they should. Um, we had somewhat uh, confirmed density uh, with respect to height and massing. Um, so what we did, or what I did, uh, is I you know I had I approached the city, I approached uh, the planning solicitor on the file, and I said, look, I like the site, but um, I don't think it works as is, and I need to know if I can change it. Uh, and by change it, I meant I meant change the interior aspects of this building. Luckily, the city was also very eager to see this intersection, um, uh, I don't want to say revitalized, but, you know, improved. Um, and so what happened was uh, a mutual approach to this development. At the same time, uh, we had set up a very unique acquisition structure for the, the property. And, and, you know, kind of all the, all the pieces fell into place. That, that's really what happened with Beach Hill. I was very excited. When, when that deal came about, naturally, it was my kind of my first foray into full-time commercial development. Um, and, and so, you know, right away, I partnered who I thought and I still think is probably one of the best uh, architects, but probably for sure, maybe the best mid-rise architect in the city with raw design and, and Roland Kultov. 
Um, and and you know he, right away he he showed his skills in in, in his design and, and his understanding of of uh, unit layouts and efficiency and all that stuff. Um, so it, it progressed it progressed very well and and that's that's kind of how Beach Hill came about. Uh, and you know from there um, we went we went through the the sales campaign. We had we had our tough time because we did go through 2013, which was probably one of our slower sales cycles. But now we're under construction, and so it's very exciting from that perspective. Um, uh, and we're hoping to be done within, you know, the next twelve to eighteen months or, or less. And uh, and you know, since then we've we've moved on and looked for more opportunities, or I've looked on to move uh, for more opportunities, and um, and it's it's been great. What's your what's your take on the condo market right now? Um, everybody has an opinion. You know, the co- question you probably get asked a lot: Is there a condo bubble? What's your take on the current state of the market? And what would you say to the individual investor who's sort of looking at the market and looking for opportunities? So the, the one thing that, that I did want to mention, going back to Beach Hill quickly, is, is I, I'm, I'm invested in, in, in every project I do. Um, you know, uh, real estate is a, is a real estate development is a product type that lends itself well to investors. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, personally, from a capital perspective, I'm always invested in every project that, that I do. So, so leading from there, what I would say is I'm a firm believer in real estate um, as uh, an investment product type if someone is looking at it that way. I, when, I, when I lecture, I always remind my students that first and foremost, real estate, residential real estate to be more specific, is housing. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, before you think of buying three condos, buy a house, okay, or, or buy a home, you know, somewhere that you can live for the next five years of your life, um, and 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 not somewhere for the next eighteen months, because you you might be upset about what happens in eighteen months from there. Because I I never sit there and tell anyone there are assured returns within eighteen months, um, and that's not the way you should look at housing, because you need a place to live, and 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 truly, I believe for the majority of the population, housing is a great way to build equity over the long term. Uh, you know, you, you, you build it by paying down your mortgage and you may get nominal capital appreciation over, over a period of time. Um, there are instances in the cycle where you get above average appreciation in housing, but, but that's not something you should rely on. So going back to the investor, I, I think the way if you took that same fundamental principle which is you're buying real estate for the long term. I think you're you're safe, and I I I, I wouldn't sit there and, and run numbers on ten percent year over year growth in housing values. I would sit there and say, okay, what is what are my rents, and what is my yield based on these rents, and where do I see growth in rents? Um, and really, you're looking at it like any other commercial property owner would. Any any. Anybody looking to buy a commercial plaza is doing the same thing. What am I buying in terms of yield? Where are my rents going? And you're always cognizant of things like interest rate, monetary policy, things of that nature that can affect your position. However, if you consistently look at real estate as a long-term investment opportunity, I think you're okay. And, and quite honestly, I actually support it. Um, and the, the one thing that the real estate typically lacks as opposed to equities 
is liquidity. And that's the often the argument that you'll hear from everyone is, okay, well, you don't have liquidity, you don't have liquidity. Well, I'll tell you, if you're not worried about selling your real estate overnight, you're going to be perfectly fine. The, the, the common mistake in real estate or in, in condo investing is that everyone wants to compare it to equities. Well, you can never do that. Um, for one thing, it is an illiquid asset type. And, and everything, when, it, when it's down, it's down. And I mean, the equity markets, when they go down, do you want to sell when you've just lost your money? That, that, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Mm. Uh, and what I've noticed as a developer consistently looking for real estate in the city is that you have a ton of people that have many businesses throughout the country, province, overseas that own real estate and have no real reliance to their income to that. And I'll assure you, if you ask any of them, the one thing they'll tell you is they regret not buying more because they just didn't have a reliance on the real estate being their predominant source of income. And when you don't, you're in a very safe place. Talk to, uh, talk to us about the rental market and your, uh, your position with, uh, and you've done something unique with Beach Hill. So talk to us about what you see in the rental market and tell us what you've done with Beach Hill. Sure. So, so with Beach Hill, um, we, we encountered definitely some sales obstacles. And then what we quickly realized with that project was this was an incredible rental opportunity. And, and so what I mean by that is we're not building, you know, a 1980s rental building. That, that's not what we're doing. We're building a condo quality, modern architecture design building. And we're holding a, a, a majority of the units, in a sense, that we intend to rent out. Uh, and the reason why we do that is we just think that uh, there is great upside in rents. Um, and, and with that project in particular, we think there's really a very low supply aspect in that neighborhood. Um, there's maybe you know, three or four new projects along Woodbine um, that, are, that are true condo projects uh, that would compare to us. But, there, what, but that neighborhood, actually, there, there's good, strong demand. Look, in general, in our city, we're running, you know, 1.5% vacancy. You'll kind of hear numbers thrown anywhere, but it's never over two. And, and my, you know, I have partners that do a lot of business in the U.S., okay? It, we would talk about oversupply in, in a market of 2% vacancy, which kind of boggles my mind, but blows them away because... In, in, in Blows your partners away yeah. who are looking at U.S. markets. That's right. When we're looking at U.S. deals, because in the U.S., if your vacancy is 6%, that means build and build fast, okay? Uh, whereas here, we're, we're nervous, and it's great. I, I love being the conservative Canadian. It, it's fantastic. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I think sometimes people overlook um, the trends in our market because they're so afraid. Uh, and, and so for us... We are very strong believers in, in the rental market. We think, uh, similar to you, uh, we think there's great upside on downtown rents. Um, and, and we're actually in the market to build purpose-built rental buildings of condo quality, of course. But we would love to be in that business um, and, and build more of it. There's you know, uh, financial constraints when, when you're looking at those types of opportunities with respect to development of, of uh, rental buildings. But with, with, you know, aspects such as demand and, and 
things of that nature and, and rents and justification of, of what rents you can achieve. I think we're all very conservative in our estimates and I think there's great opportunity there. So why, like as a condo developer, why, I mean, you're putting your money where your mouth is obviously on everything you said. You, you, you're a long-term investor. You take a long-term approach. You're, you're not looking to flip properties. You're looking to buy and hold essentially by taking this approach of building purpose-built rental buildings. Why do that as opposed to getting your money quick and, and sort of building a condo, selling it out, getting your money and moving on? Why, why is it better, in your opinion, as a developer to buy and hold rental properties than to uh, acquire land, build, a, you know, sell condos and get out? So, so I, I don't know if you've kind of just put it on a platter for me, but, uh, you know, with respect to being long-term in nature, um, we believe in real estate and we believe in Toronto. Okay, and, and by we, I mean myself and my partners. Um, and you're talking to a group that has the opportunity to do deals in the United States at any given time. Um, so would I say that we're strict to Toronto? No, we, we look at doing deals everywhere. However, we think, and if you break it down to the basics, and this is all, you know, this all kind of comes back to the, the class I lecture. You know, th- there's strong immigration demand. Immigration, if you so look... this is the part where you're telling us what makes Toronto unique versus other markets. That's right. Uh, there, there's strong population growth. And, and, and it's important for people to, to, to move away from just that, that number that you hear consistently, which is the 100,000. There's 100,000 people. Take a look at the, 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 the quality of the immigrant that's coming. And, and I'm, maybe I'm not putting that correctly per se, but what I mean is, you know, 20 years ago, when you're looking at immigration statistics, it was individuals coming from Europe that were looking to get a job. Um, and that's because that's what they had to do. Uh, what you're finding now is the immigrants that are coming into our city are wealthy individuals. And so two things that occur when that happens. One, they're not necessarily looking to steal jobs from our, our job pool, which I think is a good thing. Um, but at the same time, they're also coming from countries where historically they just firmly believe that real estate is where they put their money in. For yeah, one thing, absolutely, yeah. yeah, for one thing, they, they don't, a lot of those countries don't even have stock markets because, you know, they don't permit them or whatever the case may be. Uh, so much corruption. So much corruption. Um, and, and so at the end of the day, they believe in housing. The other thing that they believe in, obviously, is, is condos because that's what they've lived in. Whereas right. Apartment living. Apartment living, exactly. Um, whereas we've always kind of struggled with that idea. And, and I get it. You know, the North American dream isn't a box in the sky per se. It, it's, a, it's a white picket fence and a backyard. But um, the, the dream for a lot of these people is secure, safe investment. And, uh, and, and so you're coming to a, a country with great laws, stability. Like, I, I mean, forget the United States. Canada is the most conservative place in the world, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you have that, um, for us, uh, it, it's just a great sign of where you want to be as a long-term real estate investor. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we're not going to do more condo deals. Of course we are. Some sites just lend themselves better to being condo than rental. Um, but what I will tell you is whereas maybe a year ago, I would have thought 
three out of every four deals I would have seen are condo deals. I'm at like 50-50 now, where, where sites that would have been 100% condo to me a year ago, rents have more and more justified it. And for me, as, as a developer, it's actually less risky to build a purpose-built rental, right. in a sense, because I'm not relying on sales. Okay, I, I'm building housing, and at the end of the day, as long as vacancies don't creep up and we keep a close, you know, close eye on supply, which we do. And your costs. And costs, of course. And, uh, but, but, but for us, you know, su- supply is a big thing. Like if you, if you go back in history, you know, 1990 and, and, and before, you always look at it and it's always, always supply. It is supply. Like I, I, everybody talks to supply and they should because when you overbuild and, and even when we look at the, the U.S. markets that we look at, when you overbuild, you run into a problem. You do. But as long as supply stays in check um, and vacancies aren't going to creep up to 10 12% on us, we're very, very comfortable building housing in one of the greatest cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about um, your Peter Street site that you have coming up. What can you tell us about that? It's in the early stages, but what can you tell us about that? What, what uh, can condo investors expect coming up from you from that site sure so so peter street is very early uh um it was uh it was brought out in an announcement we made with our partner on that project which is fortress uh real developments um and so the the first of a number of properties that will close um that will give us essentially the the southwest corner of peter and richmond um will was a former site that was referred to as langston hall too um that parcel um is now uh one of our parcels um and and from there uh we'll go on to acquire uh, at least uh two more potentially as much as four more parcels um that's gonna is this the first time that that information has been it is sort of made known okay you heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, the langston hall two site which has received quite a bit of sort of press within the real estate industry over the past couple of years. Um, you've acquired the first parcel, but you're telling us the news is you're, you're actually working on acquiring other parcels adjacent to it. It's going to be something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's, very, it's going to be very special for, for me, for sure. Um, uh, listen, I, you know, it's one of those things where when you talk about putting your money where your mouth is, like, I, I mean, I live in the neighborhood. My office is a stone's throw away from there. Um, every aspect of this neighborhood is is what I preach every day to everybody with respect to real estate. So talk to us about the neighborhood then because there's a lot of buildings going up in the area. There's been a lot of activity there. Sure. We're talking about the entertainment district for anyone who's not familiar with when we say Peter and Richmond, right in the heart of the entertainment district, um, King and Spadina area, you know, east of there, west of the financial core, um, the fashion district, this kind of area. Uh, what uh you know are you concerned that there are a lot of other competing buildings there's a lot of product coming online in the area you you said yourself your office is here you're very invested personally in the, in the area so what's your what's your take on it so so for us uh it's a natural concern for sure um the entertainment district between 09 and 2011 quickly became the most dense neighborhood in the city of Toronto um and what i meant by what I mean by most dense is, I mean, there's, there's no other sub market that had more launches in that time period than the entertainment district. And, and 
let's be a little bit more specific. I typically refer to the entertainment district as, uh, you know, front to Queen, Spadina to Simcoe, give or take. Okay. Um, and so that's what the entertainment district is to me. Um, am I concerned about the entertainment district? I'll tell you I was. Okay. Uh, I say I was because I currently live at 21 Woodmer Street, which is the cinema tower. Um, and I got into that building very early on, uh, still in its occupancy phase. And I closely monitored the transactions in that building, predominantly uh, leasing transactions. And I'll tell you, a building that had in excess of 100 units available, and, and the realtors out there can may probably confirm these numbers for me, give or take. I know there's a lot of you know, uh, uh, Kijiji and Craigslist listings that, that technically don't make it to the MLS system, and so it's hard to track them. Um, but what I saw was a giant project get leased up within 90 days. And that was remarkable. Yeah, it was. It was. Just yeah, a lot of the um, real estate bears, people, you know, predicting this condo bubble and all this nonsense. They looked at that building and they saw, wow, there's over a hundred units available for lease here. Um, you know, this is a sign that the the bubble's about to burst. And look at all these investors buying, and and they're all just going to undercut each other, and it's just going to be a disaster. That didn't happen. No, an no, an entire building, like you say, incredible. Like U.S. markets, when they hear stories like this of Toronto, you know, hundreds of units leasing out in ninety days or less, it's incredible. Well, I'll tell you, uh, and and outside of just giving you this tidbit of information, there are U.S. large investors looking to invest in purpose-built rental in the city of Toronto because they are firm believers in the rental growth and firm believers in population. And in our vacancy, okay? And, and so if that doesn't tell you something... They see our vacancy rate and they appreciate it more for what it is than we do, I guess. They, they completely appreciate it for more than we do. They think that, you know, uh, U.S. investors in general are a lot more bullish than we are, okay? Uh, and so they look at us and, and sometimes they, they honestly, they kind of giggle because it's like you have this incredible opportunity um, and, and really no one's taking advantage of it, uh, um, which is good because I, I think the reason why we don't look like the U.S. is because we know, you know, and, and I, I th yeah. you'll find that the developers here in Toronto are actually very um, conservative and, and really astute in the sense that they're not going to force it. They're, they're, look, we're, we're, we're relative to our, our, our other industries. We may be looked at as an aggressive industry for sure. But generally speaking, you know, our, our developers are well-capitalized individuals that have gone through incredible runs in the real estate market and made a lot of money, and they'll sit tight if need be. They're not going to force launches onto the market unless they think the time is right. So, you know, with talking with the entertainment district, if you notice, it's a great example of the point I just made. It went through an incredible run of launches, and then everything stopped. There are other developers in this neighborhood that have sites. They just purposely chose not to launch them. There's a reason why. They also wanted to see how quickly, you know, a cinema tower would get leased up. Um, and, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, noise. And noise might be looked at as negative, but there's a, there's a lot of activity happening in the entertainment district. You know, there's a Mervish Geary project that everybody's still trying to figure out exactly how that's going to shake out. There was recently the acquisition of King Blue by Greenland and everyone, you know, I think we're slowly starting to see what their intentions are and how they plan to, to take that uh, through. 
But out, outside of the two projects I just named, there really hasn't been much activity since then. And so we, we've gone out of our way to closely analyze it. Um, and we're fairly confident in that. Now, with that being said, I, I think the entertainment district is a neighborhood that um, to some extent requires value when, when condo uh, investors are looking at it. Um, and, and that is on the development community to recognize. Um, but outside of that, let's look at it at its most basic you know, kind of angle, which is you're in one of the most bustling neighborhoods in the city of Toronto. You're a whole eight minutes into the core from a walk. You could walk to the Sky Dome. You could walk to the ACC. You're next to transit. You essentially have one of the most or the best retail strips along Queen Street West from, you know, university to Spadina. And, and it, that's improving even as you go west to Spadina now. Um, and so at the end of the day, sometimes we get carried away as people in this industry, but just look at where people want to live. And, yeah. and, and simply put, I the, truly believe this is where people want to live. They want to live there. The, the demand is there. Like you said, Cinema Tower leasing out like that. Just one example that the demand to live in the area is huge. It's massive. People really enjoy this area and really like to be there. And the area is just going to get better and better when all these buildings are completed in the next few years. You're going to have a huge infusion of new retail. Um, obviously, density goes way up. You get way more bodies and people on the street. Retailers, you know, restaurants, uh, everything will follow that as well. You mentioned Queen Street and, and just how prime of a retail strip it is. Well, we all know King Street is, is slowly turning into uh, that as well as being a, a major retail corridor. Um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah the, the, the demand, so much going on for it. The demand for retailers to be in this area of the city right now is beyond belief. Like we, we, we're involved in some retail developments as well. And I, I could tell you, you know, you can almost name your price as a landlord in this neighborhood. Um, you know, Queen Street West, when I was doing my presentation um, with, with Fortress, you know, their, their, their lease rates are in excess of $100 a foot. The values are in excess of $1,000 a foot. Like, that, that's remarkable. That, that's, that's typically Yorkville right. rents. You know, yeah, that, Bloor Street. Bloor Street. And, and, and so it, it's, it, that, that is a testament to really what, the over, what consumers are doing. Because, because retailers will follow the consumer. And, and the consumers want to be here. And if they want to be here, retailers want to be here. And it, it's really just a cycle effect. And I, I listen, I am a firm believer that density is a great thing. Obviously, I'm a developer, so that kind of goes hand in hand. But what I mean by that is I think once the entertainment district is built out to some extent and, and you know, all you got to do is walk around and see how many projects are under construction, I think it's where almost everyone's going to want to live. Because at the end of the day, when you have that kind of livelihood, uh, especially with the millennial generation and, but even honestly with empty nesters, you know, wanting to kind of recapture that excitement. It, it's, it's easy to see why people want to be there. Yeah, for sure. And that, and that's why we made the investment. That's why we made the investment. And, but it's, it, it was a, it was a long process to get there for sure. Uh, one last question for you, Naram. Um, is there a question that no one has asked you about yourself or about your business or about the real estate market? but that you wish that someone would ask you? And what would that be? It's a good question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good question because it makes me think uh, in terms of what I've always been asked. And, and often people ask about my kind of process into this business because I'm typically 
considered a, a younger individual in our in our business for sure. Um, I, I think the one thing that people typically don't ask, which is to me would be a logical question per se, is what is your long term intentions in this business? Because I'm young and I have a lot of time ahead of me, and I, I think. I, I want to go back to one aspect, um, and and you and I were discussing this kind of earlier on, um, which is you know the the real estate market, especially housing, is a market where I truly believe it, it's it's consumer driven, and so I I think as much as I'd like to say yeah you know I'd love to build a business and that business would do ten projects a year or whatever the case may be, I really pay attention to what people are telling me. And, and I take that, you know, with, with every ounce of attention that I can give it. Um, and I, th- I think that's where, you know, if you ask me what my intentions are, I'd say whatever the market tells me my intentions should be. Um, it's, a, it's a business that... Good answer. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, and, and no, you know, we're firm believers of it. Uh, I, I have, I could tell you stories forever about guys that thought they were smarter than the market. And, and it's the same thing. You know, look, at that, look at the stock market, for example. You know, if you think you're smarter than the market, then you're, you're the only person or you, your name should be Warren Buffett because there's really nobody else. There's other guys that have done well at it, but, but it's the same thing in, in real estate is you know, sometimes um, our community gets, the development community gets carried away in, in thinking that they know better, and, and that's not the reality. You, you don't know better. You're, the people that are going to live and buy your, your product are the people that know better. And, and so um, for me, my, my intentions are that I hope that this industry gives me a long life for it, uh, for it and, I, and I'd love to be able to grow it um, and, and, and take our knowledge base and, and move it into other cities, and that would be fantastic. That, that's all I could ask for, that's for sure. That's great. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Naram. If people want to get a hold of you, uh, or if you want to let people get a hold of you, <laughs> where do you want to? Uh, where can people find you online? Well, I, I definitely try to be uh, active on Twitter for sure. So at Naram Mansour, um, we're we're also active through Carlisle. So at Carlisle Develop, um, you can hit me up there. I'm listen. I, I I I'm of the social media generation, so you know you can hit me up on LinkedIn. You can hit me up on Twitter. Always feel free to send me a note um, th- into Carlisle. Uh, you can hit me up at info at carlislecommunities.com as well if you have any questions. Um, uh, and, and I try and actually answer most of those emails personally, especially if they're addressed to me. So as soon as you address them to me, it will be. Um, and uh, and I, I welcome it for sure. That's great. Well, we'll include a link to uh, all those uh, uh, spots that you just mentioned in the show notes for this episode. So once again, thank you, Naram, for being on the show today, and hopefully we can have you on the show soon. Look forward to it. Okay, there you have it, my interview with Naram Mansour. I hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, uh, I know a lot of you do because I've seen the numbers, and uh, my marketing manager just sent me the stats recently, and and every month we are growing. The number of downloads and listens are, are getting larger and larger. So I thank you very much for your support, for listening in. Thanks for telling your friends and, and colleagues and people about this show. And another great way that you can support it, if you want me to continue and if you want other people to hear this great info, is to go on iTunes and to leave me a review. So please go ahead and do that, especially if you've been listening for a while, but maybe you haven't done that yet. Um, there's never a better time than right now. So go ahead and, and leave me a review on iTunes 
It's greatly appreciated. If you don't know how to do that, I've even got a little video that shows you exactly how to do that. And you can go to the show notes for this episode, truecondos.com slash Naram. And there you will find that video. So thanks again for listening. And until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.